Performance Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies. This year's AFP event, that's the Association for Financial Professionals, like the vast majority of conferences in 2020, moved to a wholly virtual experience. With two weeks chock full of sessions from some of the biggest names in the industry, this episode will review the top five highlights that you should be aware of from this year's discussions. Hello, I'm Rich Williams, host of the Payments Podcast, and with me today is Alana Streit, General Manager of North American Payments at Bottomline, and of course, an attendee of this year's AFP event. Hi, Alana, thanks for joining us today, and a very warm welcome onto the show for the first time. Hi, Rich. Great to be here. Thanks so much. No, no, not a problem at all. Now, AFP 2020 came with the tagline, Virtually Together. How do you personally feel the virtual event went this year? And indeed, did it live up to the spirit of togetherness? <laughs> yeah, virtual is tough. Um, really, things are hard for all of us these days. And you, you definitely can't expect to replace what an in-person conference was and the togetherness of an in-person conference with, with online and virtual. You have to create a whole new playbook on on how where you're going to operate right and think about it differently but afp did a really great job this year i I was impressed i thought the the schedule worked well i like the format the technology worked great um but it wasn't so much it wasn't it wasn't so much about networking like it usually is it was more about learning um i thought of it that way and i know my team did as well we got an opportunity to spend a lot more time in the sessions than we used to be able to. We were always on the convention floor, lots of busy days, breakfast till drinks after dinner, right? So that that certainly was harder, but uh, I still learned a lot and really enjoyed it. So um, happy to share some highlights with everyone uh, listening out there today. Thanks, Alana. Uh, that leads us uh, very nicely on to our next question, which is, of course, the, the main topic of today's episode. So what were your particular highlights from the event and the particular sessions that you attended? Um, let's begin with the, the first key one for you, please. Yeah, for sure. The first highlight um, and not surprising, B2B payments are still way too hard. Um, way too hard for everyone. I've been building payment software for over 20 years now, and I've seen it change a lot. And I've lived through a lot of uh, pain, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears of, of building software and payments and, and uh, B2B payments in particular, and the high risk nature of them and the balance between speed and efficiency, but preventing fraud and risk and compliance. Um, and it's just still too hard. But I see that the market is now, I think, even more open to change and maybe the global pandemic, which is a lens over everything right now. Maybe that is is really causing some of that. And that was definitely talked about in almost all the sessions. Um, but the corporate voices need to get involved. Don't just let the banks make all the decisions. Right. They integration is still too hard. We try things like ISO 20022, which fundamentally was supposed to make things easier and more consistent, but it's not. Everybody implements it a little bit differently. And if corporates don't get more involved, um, you know, it's they're going to bear the brunt of the cost. It's their systems. It's their processes. It's their people. And I believe they really need to lean in. 
Um, I believe they'll be uh, leaning in and, and asking more and more of fintechs instead of their banks. I heard that a lot as well. And that excites me um, and excited about what's what's to come, what's to come in our industry. We've certainly been banging the drum of uh, not leaving everything to the banks in uh, in previous in previous episodes, and I think that shift and looking towards uh, fintechs and, and corporates to take and bear some of the brunt of the responsibility is really important. Um, so, in the spirit of learning rather than simply networking and having a few sneaky drinks afterwards, uh, what are some more highlights from you, please, from this year's event? Yeah. Um... Data is king. And I did want to talk about one specific session that was really interesting. Um, but first, you know, data, it's the most valuable asset on earth. I hear people say it's like oil, right? But it must be refined. And so data science is now at the center of so much and everyone should be investing in data science, period. Um, it, it's it's the old adage of garbage in, garbage out. And every session I attended was about you've got to have good data. Um, and how do you find the data and cleanse it and make sure I've got a centralized uh, customer database, all of those things, right? Is it accurate? Well, there was a really interesting use case, um, a session with Accenture. They have built a, a cash inventory optimizer. And they've applied data science, essentially, and artificial intelligence to cash flow forecasting. Um, they're a huge global organization, right? They've got, I think they operate in 60 countries. And their goal was to reduce idle cash and get it centralized into their main bank, their central bank, and then have it work better for them, right? Um, and they think of cash as inventory, and they use data science and predictive analytics. I think they said 12 different models that their data scientists built with, with uh, you know, just off the shelf uh, or, or open source technology to understand what they really needed to have on hand in every country to run that operation and reduce their average cash on hand, centralize it. Um, and took so much more of the pain of, of the, the analysis from the people and the time-consuming pain to figure that out, and then uh, uh, solved a pretty significant cash flow forecasting problem with, with, with artificial intelligence. So I thought it was really interesting, um, and I have to keep saying it, everyone should be investing in data, um, a data strategy a, and leveraging data science and the tools that are out there to make it work better for you. And Accenture clearly has done that um, in their cash flow forecasting. Mm. I to totally agree. I, th I think the old adage used to be cash is king. Well, I think now yes. we're, all, we're all agreed that data <laughs> is king. And Data those, is king. <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. those predictive analytics are things that uh, we, we have to start relying on. And clearly they have to mature so that we can trust them and they become more and more accurate. But um, it's very encouraging mm -hmm. to hear that that was a, a key takeaway from you. Uh, what else can you share with us, Alana? Maybe not as interesting, but definitely something that should software should solve is um, bank fee analysis. Uh, our corp corporates have 10 plus banks easily. 10 plus banking relationships could be 50 different accounts, right? And lots of different services from all those banks and banks lo love to charge fees. Um, and bank fee analysis is way too difficult. There were specific sessions on people 
talking about it's really a full-time job and it's kind of a it's a boring job who wants to spend their job analyzing bank analysis statements and i think software and technology should be easily applied to solve bank fee uh, challenges right decipher it make sure you're utilizing um, the services that you're paying for, uncovering fees for unneeded services. It can be an eye-opening exercise. There are a number of sessions on the methodology that you can take to do bank fee analysis. I'm a big proponent of apply software to that, right? It's a high return on investment. Um, there should be a consortium of data that not only compares your own fees, but to others. I think of like most of us, we used to travel, right? And you probably know who the points guy is who analyzes rewards programs like credit cards and other travel programs. Why can't you do that with bank fee analysis, right? We need to be taking a taking a page from the consumer world when it comes to B2B um, and make it easier and, and use software to do that. Um, I, I attended some really interesting sessions on that, and it definitely has piqued my interest for um, future uh, functionality we'll be providing to our customers as well. Certainly. And, and from my experience of uh, been working for Bottom Line and speaking to a lot of our corporate customers, it's it's often met with a question of, uh, with the response, sorry, of, well, we just don't know what we're being charged for today. Right. And it's very right. hard to aggregate and find a best value and streamlined solution if you can't see the problem you're trying to solve in the first place. So again, a very important topic and, and glad to mm -hmm. hear that was discussed there. Absolutely. I, I, um, it shouldn't be that difficult, right? I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. I think we've got time for for a couple more. What's your fourth highlight from the session, please? Well, we've been talking about payments, um, but I would be remiss to not talk about receivables. Um, receivables, receivables, receivables. Um, I, I attended a session on the receivables journey and uh, a number, I think this was CentOS, who made a pretty significant investment in uh, their journey to streamline their receivables. Um, receivables are still extremely check heavy, right? Now with COVID, people want to, are definitely trying to speed up their shift to digital. Uh, but receivables are still very check heavy, but they're definitely seeing it shifting um, and shifting uh, the right way. But when shifting to digital, it actually makes applying receivables even harder. I didn't appreciate that like less than 10% of B2B ACH payments have the remittance data needed to apply um, receivables. And it's actually easier with a check, <laughs> which Astounding. is definitely someone who is so passionate about electronic payments and you know, I grew up as a wire transfer girl, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, I'm passionate about electronic payments. It just, it, it kind of boggles my brain. So um, they spoke of the substantial portion of manual work in AR departments, almost forensic work to apply ACH payments. Um, and again, such an opportunity to solve that with technology. I, I'm I there's a way to solve any problem. <laughs> it depends on especially with technology, depends on uh, the time and investment you want to put into it. But I know there's a way to solve that. I know there are some vendors out there that have solved it for people. Um, and so I heard some interesting stories about a journey 
um, for uh, lead treasury experts to streamline their receivables. And, and that's where I think uh, the industry needs to focus and go as well. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. we, we think of it as a given that these things should be more achievable, um, given the, the move to a more widespread um, digital society and digital landscape. Yep. But it's uh, it really is astounding that we have to go into these things, as you say, in forensic detail. And how do we solve these yeah. problems? Well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, people process technology. It always yes. seems to come back to those three three key things. Yes, yes. Let's wrap up then, uh, Alana, with your final highlight from this year's AFP event. Yeah. You know, AFP is always brings some really interesting keynotes. And I made a point to attend uh, the majority of the keynotes. And I love that. This one that I wanted to talk about, Jim Cates interviewed Daniel Pink. He is a New York Times author, bestselling author. And he wrote a book called The Science of Perfect Timing, I think. And that was the name of the session. Um, and you would think his, his topics would be common sense, but I really learned a lot. And I know it might not be payments related, but today in our work from home, never leave your home office, you know, and all the stories we're being told about plan out your day and schedule your day, even though you're just getting up from your bed and walking to your office and turning on the computer and all the devices and not stopping. I thought it was really interesting. I like that AFP brought him um, to, uh, to their sessions. Um, what I loved is um, he talked about all the studies around People are either larks, they're, they're morning, you know, early birds, or they're night owls, or they're the in-betweeners. So everyone has kind of a cycle throughout their day. And almost all of us, because 80% of us are either like morning birds or kind of in-betweeners. There's very, very few night owls. But most of us go through a peak and then a trough and then a recovery every single day. So you might notice it at like three o'clock in the afternoon, you start just, you're, you're burnout. You're just not operating with the same cognitive ability you did when you woke up in the morning, right? I'm definitely a morning person. My husband hates it, but I am. Um, so your cognitive abilities don't remain static throughout the course of the day. And that change is really much more extreme than you realize. And he quoted a lot of studies around you know, in hospitals, a lot of the issues um, are seen in the late afternoon. So if you can avoid going to the hospital in the late afternoon, you should definitely do that, right? It was really interesting. But what I loved is how I'm going to apply it is that certain tasks that you do throughout the day, you should think about that task and plan them based on whether you're in your peak or your trough or your recovery, right? So your analytical work should happen during your peak. You, you know, you have limited distractions and uh, that's when that should happen. In your trough, that should be your administrative work. Fill out your T&E form, right? That's your administrative work. And then in your recovery, your mood may be back up, but your vigilance isn't. And that's the best time to do like problem solving or brainstorming. And so when you schedule meetings, you should not just think about, hey, they've got an hour free on their calendar. You should think about what am I trying to accomplish during this time? And when should I schedule it? So I thought that was really interesting. Um, His statistics were clear across like 
in the, you know, in the business world, uh, education and higher education and healthcare. He had so many interesting stories. And so I've actually already ordered his book. <laughs> so really interesting. I thought it was a, a, a great keynote that AFP brought um, for their attendees. And I enjoyed it and learned a lot. Well, that certainly is an interesting uh, final highlight to end on. And although not entirely geared towards finance, it's something that I'm sure we could apply to, to any aspect of our, of our lives. Uh, interestingly, right. one thing I heard from, from an internal colleague of mine uh, this week was that I think we began this lockdown um, working from home and a lot of us have found ourselves living from work. Um, yes. So I think trying to adopt uh, some new methodologies and mindsets into the way we go about our, our day um, could yes. have some pretty profound benefits. I love that. That's what I'm doing. I'm living from work. <laughs> well, you yeah. can take that one with you. Uh, Alana, yep. thanks so much for sharing your viewpoints from the ground level. Uh, and I'm sure this gives our listeners some topics to ponder and digest. Uh, and I hope you'll join us again sometime in the future. Thank you so much, Rich. I appreciate it. So on the subject of our listeners, we've also released an episode during AFP on the key considerations for the accounts payable function with Tristan Thompson from UMB Bank, which of course is well worth a listen if you haven't done so already. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. But in the meantime, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate the show or leave a comment as you wish. And we'll see you all next time. Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.